וכאשר נוסיף להזבונין במימר שבאגדה שבאנו. Let us consider more deeply the teaching in the Agada on Pesach. נאמר גם זה יופי. We'll learn it well. שהרי אחרי שאנו אומרים את המקרא, after we quote the verse, in Bereshis Tazvav Yedgemo, ויאמר לאברהם, ידוע תדע כי גר יהיה זרעך בארץ לא להם, you shall surely know that your children will be strangers. in a land that is not theirs. And they will be subjugated and afflicted for 400 years. And also, the nation whom they will serve, I will judge. And after that, they will go forth with great wealth. We say in the Haggadah, But they'll say that. And this has stood for our forefathers and for us. And according to the known interpretation, to Kavanas, the intention of and this has stood for our forefathers and for us. That is going on the end of this teaching. And the Holy One, blessed be He, saves us from their hand. Kashatuva. That is a very difficult interpretation. Sharei ha-havtocha l'hoisa el-al gals mitzrayim. Because the promise was concerning the redemption, well, the exile of Egypt. K'mosof ha-havtocha. Just as in the end of the promise, in the covenant of the parts, and after that they will go forth with great wealth. If you look at the point of covenant, in the covenant of the parts, between God and Avram, we don't find a continuing covenant beyond this episode with Egypt. And Egypt is not mentioned by name there, but that's clearly Historically, what is being referred to? We do have such a covenant that is mentioned much later. It's in the song of Hazinu, the end of Dvarim. But not in this verse. In defense of this approach, I will mention, although the point is a strong point, And then Siv is going to offer his own mahal, his own interpretation. But in defense of this common understanding, the Dugna Magid says that the subjugation of 400 years was cut short. You're in Egypt for 210 years. And yes, you can calculate it from much earlier. to get to 400 years, not taking away from that interpretation, but another mahach, another approach that the Dubna Magid says is that it was cut short, but not abolished. Meaning, the Jews were in such a precarious spiritual state, at risk of being lost, that is quite clear from many sources, and this was a necessary interlude, a temporary reprieve, 
from this decree in order to preserve the Jewish people to be able to withstand the, the conclusion and the, the complete experience of this covenant of the parts. And all of the future exiles were a diluted fulfillment towards the 400 years. That's the approach of the Dubnamagid, and that would address the Nitzvah's objection if one interprets it as such, that yes, the covenant of the parts was focused on Egypt, but as much as that was not the end of the story, so the final resolution has, even till this day, not been concluded, and Hishamda is implicit, according to the Dubnamagid, within the Brisbane Absarth. Looking at the Nitziv's approach, he rejects that though. He says, The correct interpretation, This assertion in the Haggadah, we say, and it has stood for us, for our forefathers. What is that going on? That is going on the statement. Not one alone has stood over us to eradicate us. And on that, the proof is from Lavan. And the word of God in the covenant of the parts to our patriarch, Abraham, your descendants will be strangers, foreigners. Mashmo, what is the implication? More than just a revelation, this will be the case. More than that, included within this is not just a revelation, but a warning for the generations. That your descendants will be strangers among the nations. And they will not seek to assimilate with them in their way of life. It also has an implied imperative, not just the future of the aspirations of the nation to maintain the Jewish identity, but also an imperative to remain distinct. Therefore, it's written concerning our forefather, Jacob, and he dwelled there, and the interpretation of the drasha that is expounded upon from the Sifri in the Haggadah Shal Pesach, the night of Passover, expound upon these psukim, these verses, Shalo Yorad, he did not descend, Jacob did not descend to Egypt, he didn't go literally to sink into Egypt, to assimilate into Egypt, to dwell there permanently, but rather to be a sojourner, to dwell there temporarily, to reside there, but not permanently. As it says, to dwell in the land we have come, the understanding is as a stranger, not fully integrated. Belkorchach Eina Kavana Shechashav Yaakov Lotis Misham 
And one is forced to say that Jacob's intentions were not to depart of his own choice, his own volition, as soon as the famine concluded. Because he had already received a promise from the Holy One, blessed be he, before descending to Egypt. And I will come up and bring you up. You shall surely ascend. So we understand that part of this prophecy entails his concluding years in Egypt through the end of his life, through the end of his existence within what's perceived as the life of Jacob. He's going to conclude that in Egypt. That's clear. El Apir, so what is the interpretation? Basher shemitzad paro, mitzad hamadino, hai esher leakov lios as far as Paro was concerned, as far as the governance of Egypt, he was invited to become an Egyptian citizen and fully integrate into Egypt. Jacob said he is not interested in assimilating. He wants to retain a distinct identity and to be an outsider, to be a sojourner, to be a stranger. And as much as the Holy One, blessed be He, warned His grandfather, Avram Avinu, in the covenant of the parts, God tells Avram, your children will be strangers. So He wants to fulfill that. He's being offered to not be a stranger. He said, no, I, I have the prophecy to fulfill. To be distinct and separate from them. That is what God told Jacob. And Yosef will place his hand upon your eyes to close your eyes after your death. The primary explanation of this verse is what is the focus on Jacob's eye? The eye of Jacob, I know, it's a way of describing his desires and his perspective. That his children should dwell in the midst of the nations in a manner that is separated. As it says in Devarim, Lamed Gimel Chavchas, and Israel dwell securely and distinct. The eye of Jacob. Hainu chukas Yaakov, that is the desire of Jacob. that his children should be distinct and separated. That's why he was more afraid to descend to Egypt than to remain in Canaan. In Egypt, it was easier to be distinct and separated for engagement with the Torah and the service of God. In Egypt, we did not have that same opportunity 
לזה הבטיחו הקדוש ברוך הוא, אשר יוסף ג'ושס ידו. זה כוחו. And therefore, God promised him that Yosef will place his hand. This is his strength. A hand is a symbol of strength, of power. Al enach on your eye. Ainu. Shishtad elahotzi es chefzo shal elapot. He will execute your desire. He will bring it out. He will ensure the Jewish people do not become lost within Egypt. And therefore, Yosef removed the natives from this part of Egypt called Goshen in order to settle the Jewish people, the children of Israel there. Yosef did not allow his people to settle outside of Goshen. It was a Jewish ghetto. Laman Yuchelios moved Dolin, Mea Mitzrim, in order to retain their distinction from the Egyptians. In their culture and all the ways of their life, they maintained a distinctness not by Paro, not by the Egyptian government. They said, please, come, abandon your former identification, join us, assimilate, become lost within us. You have what to offer, we'll take that up. Yosef was entrusted with preventing that terrible potential, and he ensured that under his reign, The Jews were in Goshen, and they were not allowed to leave. They were not allowed to settle throughout the rest of Egypt. Ashel came, al-Yoshvim b'Shalva, and in his days, they dwelled securely, in tranquility, lo shum al-Yisrael. And there was not any type of anti-Semitism. It was a golden age of the Jews in Egypt. Kolzeh, keshahayu v'matzav, All of this was the case while they were distinct and isolated. However, from the death of Joseph and his brothers, all his brothers, the verse teaches us, The children of Israel proliferated, grew mighty to a great extent. And the verse describes a new change. The earth, the land was filled with them. The land of Egypt was filled with Jewish people. Even if I and if you'll describe the land as referring to Goshen, to the specific territory within Egypt, then the verse should have said, and the land became filled from them. There's a population growth within Goshen. That's not what it says. It doesn't say mayhem. It says osam. Latimali Haaretz, mayhem is what you would have expected had it meant that the land became filled. The land of Goshen had an explosion of population. The Jewish populace grew within Goshen. Latimali Haaretz, osam. Dreirak Yisrael Yashvusham. Chem Targon Tunklos Targon. 
He does point out as a question that the way Unculus translates in Aramaic does deviate from the verse in the way you would expect it, as though it was written in Hebrew, but mehem. But the word in Hebrew actually is osam. The usage of the word osam, as opposed to mehem, teaches us it must be, says Nitziv, that the entire land of Egypt was filled with them. They left Goshen. They migrated out of the Jewish designated province in Egypt of Goshen. And they went all over. And they mingled with the non-Jewish populace. And they learned from their ways. And they sought to imitate them. As is clear in the Medrash, sadly, from the death of Joseph, the fulfillment of circumcision as an element of covenant, waned. Jews stopped doing circumcision in Egypt. Not all Jews. But some Jews, and it became prevalent. Amru, they said, let us be like Egypt. Baruch Hu, had God respond. He turned the Egyptians' hearts to hate his nation. We see clearly from this Medrash the death of Joseph is associated with the drop in circumcision. This is a wonder. What did Joseph do in his life that was critical to the children of Israel keeping this command of the covenant of circumcision? How did his death cause the opposite? The forsaking of this command of covenant. Even though all of his brothers were still alive. Joseph was the first to die. His brothers were still living. And already circumcision began to wane. The fulfillment of circumcision among the children of Israel. Rather, this is the understanding. This is the matter. All the while that Joseph was alive, as he asserted prior. While he was alive, the Jews were in a designated territory of Goshen, and they were not allowed to go elsewhere. This ensured, as a barrier, that the Jewish people maintained a distinct identity within Egypt. It didn't dawn on them to assimilate and mimic the Egyptians. But once Yosef died, and together with his death was the end of that decree, so the Jews were allowed to spread out all over Egypt. And sadly, they did not seek, unlike Yaakov, they did not seek to guard and fulfill the word of God to Abraham, that your children will be strangers. 
Hishtavos Therefore, they sought to mimic and become integrated in the customs of their life with their non-Jewish neighbors. Ad to the extent that they kicked against the word of God, and they stopped circumcising. And from that point, God turned the hearts of the Egyptians against his nation to destroy us. And so it was afterwards. As described in Sanhedrin 104a, Echa Yoshva Badat, the beginning of Echa. How could she have dwelt isolated? Amar Rabba, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabba says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Gajbarcha, the Holy One, blessed be he, stated, Ani Amati, I said, Vishkan Yisrael Betach, Badat in Yaakov. I said that Israel will dwell securely. And the way the Nativ explained, the perspective of Jacob was to be distinct. Now their dwelling shall be isolated. Pirush, meaning, the divine will was that the Jewish people should be isolated. To, of their own accord, ensure that they choose to be distinct and retain their identity, not assimilate among the nations of the world, then they will dwell securely. Now that they chose not to, now their dwelling will be isolated against their will. They will be forced into a distinct dwelling. They'll be forced into a ghetto, whether a physical ghetto or isolated in a societal manner as is attributed to Rebchaim If the Jew does not make Kiddush, the guy makes Havdalah. So the Jewish people have an imperative to fulfill this vision of prophecy, the covenant of the parts, and if we don't work to fulfill it, it will be fulfilled by a building up, a flaring up of this underlying hatred, which, as we saw, is in every generation, often it's in the shadows, but if the Jewish people don't do our part, to fulfill the divine will, it's going to be fulfilled a different way. This is also described in Psachim. Who caused the Jewish people to be dispersed among the nations? 
the closeness that they craved among them. I can't understand that's the quote in the Talmud. Pirish. What is the explanation? Shemhachi enam manichem Yisrael lishkon l'sheves harbe b'kevam. Mukhrachim Yisrael liparid spazer haloa mimokom moldosam bagola. Remarkable idea. The Jewish people are not allowed. They're restricted from dwelling in a permanent manner among the nations. And one way or another, the Jews are scattered from the place of their birth within the exile. It's a remarkable thing. In modern times, the Jewish experience in America is undoubtedly one of the best, if not the best, within the exile, the long, dark exile. And you would expect that there would be a greater stability within the Jewish population. People don't usually move like changing their shirt. It's, it requires something to move somebody. There's, there's an atonement associated with exile. People don't do it for free. For no reason. And it's been good for Jews in America. Let's look at Americans. In a study in 2022, 68% of Americans said that they live in or near the city where they grew up. That's common. That's, that's the norm. In contrast, Jews have a much higher churn rate. About 5% of Jews in America move annually. It's a huge number. And we are not dealing with expulsions like we were in Jewish settlements in Europe hundreds of years ago, thankfully. And yet, even in good times, we see a huge mobility of the Jewish population within America. And I know in my local experience, besides the studies that I'm quoting, and the families that I know, there's a huge turnover rate. How many people that we know, how many of them live near where they were born? It's a pretty small number. You have it, but it's a distinct minority. It's unusual. Quite unusual. And that's obviously not a, a function necessarily in a straightforward way of persecution. Like I said, we're living and have been living, thankfully, in, in a historical perspective. We're living in very good times. Excellent. About as good as you could imagine for an exile. And yet, you have this massive amount of churn, of dispersion, 
And that is the fulfillment. That is God's vision. And Bilam, at the time that the Holy Spirit spoke from within him, they are an isolated, distinct nation that will dwell alone. And they will not be counted among the nations. Pirush, what is the explanation? The Jewish nation is different from the other nations. Any nation that is exiled from one nation to another, there is one choice. Separate from your former ways. Forsake your faith. Assimilate to the ways of the nation that you are now in their midst. There is only one path. Historically, a nation is exiled. The identity of that nation fades, disintegrates. You might have some pottery, some museums, beaker people, whatever it might be, but you don't find a nation being exiled and retaining its distinction, an identity apart from its host nation. There is only one path forward. The Jewish people are the opposite. And the Jewish people are isolated. And is faithfully guarding its religion. And does not seek to assimilate and equate itself with the leaders of its land, the land it finds itself in, then it will dwell in peace. And they will not be pursued. However, if they are enmeshed, working towards assimilating, if the Jews seek to mimic, emulate, and assimilate, mix in with their host nation, then they will not be considered. They are viewed scornfully, not as even another human being. And they impugn that which is good within Israel to evil, to being malicious, it's irrational. Kavisha Amar Paro, as Paro said, in response to this Jewish attempt to assimilate, lest they multiply, and when we are confronted with war, and this Jewish element, the children of Israel, will be in addition, they will join up with our enemies. So they're busy trying to ingratiate themselves and assimilate, and they're being perceived as a potential fifth column. They're the most patriotic Egyptians. And this is actually the opposite of the truth. The Jews did not hate the Egyptians at all. 
says in Dvarim Chavavav, interesting phraseology, Vayiru Osanu, literally, and they made us bad. Loksli Vayiru Lanu, doesn't say, and they were bad to us. El Mashma, what does it mean? They made us bad. They, in their own minds, presented us to themselves as being ungrateful, of being evil. As we described in Shirshim, Hezayim, Mikra, the guardians of the gates hold off my ornament from upon me. I have called Midas Tovas Shabbana, Shehima Kirdidin, meaning all of the good qualities that were within us, the Jewish people, that are like Kirdidin, like these ornaments, Tachshitim, Israel, as a beautification of the Jewish nation. No, Samarai, they removed them from me. Ein Shamot describes it over there in Shehashim. That is the consequence. The Jewish nation will be distinct. If we take that upon ourselves, we'll have the peace. And if not, it will be fulfilled contrary to all expectation, contrary to the, the truth of what they were trying to achieve is integration. They were suddenly the subject of totally unbased, unfounded libel. But that is, like I said, one way or the other. That's what Penetzit is saying. That the Jewish people will be distinct whether we like it or not.